We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Hello, friends. This is Mike Cosentino, and I have the good fortune of hosting this audio affair known as the Run ATL Podcast. And once again, I am with my fearless friend and my partner in this endeavor, D2, Dave Martinez. Dave, hello to you, and what a very cool episode we have in store right now. Yes, it's very cool. I mean, we're uh, we're actually uh, not in the same place. For the first time, we are uh, in different locations, and we're experimenting doing using Skype to record our podcast uh, for a v- variety of reasons. Uh, but our guest today, uh, you know, couldn't be with us in person for uh, because he is on the road and traveling. And Skype was the best way for us to, to to do that. And because of that, we you know, audio quality won't be the same as it has been in the past. But uh, we still uh, felt that the content was going to be great, the, uh, the information, and it's just very inspiring uh, to have this guest with us uh, on this episode. For sure, and that's a great segue, D2. In fact, there you are already issuing the disclaimer. I, I agree with you in terms of this cool experiment and doing it via Skype and opening us up to many, many other possibilities in terms of who our featured conversations are and what kind of segments we bring our listeners on the Run ATL podcast. And you are so right about the inspiration of today's guest. In fact, what we have done, many of you may say, I think I'm receiving the Run ATL podcast on my smart device more frequently. And that is true. This is a special episode. We are normally every two weeks, you're going to get three episodes in a row, three weeks where you'll get a Run ATL podcast dropped into your inbox and now this is preserved forever of course but the reason that we are doing this and d2 alluded to it where there is inspiration on tap we have rob jones and we are going to tell you who he is but first i must share this story that came about very recently and allowed d2 and i to get involved with him so big peach running company has like most entities do on their website, an opportunity for people to contact us, whether they have comments or a question. And we received a note from one of our guests that was forwarded to us about this endeavor known as the Rob Jones journey that was coming to town. And this particular guest of her own volition felt like we as a community, not just Big Peach Running Company, not just her and her friends, but as a community really needed to support this. And I had no idea what it was. Of course, I took the time to go to the link, but once I saw it. I saw a couple of things. One, something that was just beyond comprehension. And in short, it is a veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps, a double amputee because of injuries sustained in Afghanistan, pushing against the Taliban, and an individual who is now on prosthetics on both of his legs, running 31 marathons in 31 different cities on 31 consecutive days. It also happened to be taking place in Atlanta. It's coming up for those of you who are hearing this almost immediately after our release date of this episode on Wednesday, November 8th at 7 a.m. along the Atlanta Beltline. That particular date, Dave, as you already know, is also an occasion that we do annually for our leadership team 
to kick off our annual planning exercises. So when I saw that this morning was the same morning that our leadership team was getting together, I thought, my goodness, we need to be there. And I know you felt the same way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had actually had seen uh, through social media uh, Rob Jones' journey kind of pop up, but I wasn't quite sure about it and I and didn't even know if it was really coming to Atlanta until we had these uh, two individuals, uh, Jenny Cohn and Mary Davis, who... Shout out right there. Yeah, absolutely. I think they deserve the credit because they are hustling to get this organized, to really put on a great event. And to have those individuals, uh, both Jenny and Mary, that to step up within the community is just a great example of, of just the people that the running community have uh, to support others and to someone they've never met, someone who doesn't even live in the city, and they said, we're going to do something and we're going to connect uh, with you know other people. And they contacted us, said, let's be a part of this and for us to be doing this you know we you know like i said i was kind of familiar with it but didn't know all the details and like you it was like why would we not do it i mean it's absolutely it's an inspiring uh you know story uh for someone like rob to come to to, to announce and say i'm going to run 31 marathons in 31 days back to back no breaks no no rest days and that's that's amazing and to do it, it to is. raise money and awareness for disabled veterans, that's, that's, that's even more incredible. It is incredible. And so obviously it has spurred us to do some things we've not done before, whether it's publishing this special episode or doing it via Skype. We caught up with Rob and his team while they were in their RV traveling from Albuquerque to San Antonio, Texas. They're obviously making their way east. They've been in the Northwest and they've been through California. They started in London and now we're making their way back to the east side of the United States. They'll be in Atlanta again on November 8th. They're going to finish in Washington, D.C. But we had a chance to catch up with him. We had a chance not just to ask him about what he's doing to stay fit and stay ready for all these back-to-back travels of 26.2 miles on his prosthetics, but also what his journey has been like since 2006 when he joined the Marine Corps as a reserve. You are not going to want to miss this conversation. You will absolutely want to share it again and again with people who you care about. So we're going to take a very abbreviated break. When we get back, you'll hear us and our conversation with Rob Jones. All right. Welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. As we said, at the onset and in our intro, D2 and I have a real treat. In fact, Dave, I cannot imagine that there was any way to do this treat justice in our overview of what we were doing in our featured conversation today. And now it is time we have Rob Jones with us. The Rob Jones journey rolls on. In fact, Dave and I are talking to him as he is in his vehicle making his way from Albuquerque, New Mexico to San Antonio, Texas, in advance of his arrival on November 8th in Atlanta, and where we'll get a chance to meet him personally and spend some time with him on the Beltline as he continues what is just an amazing story and part of a journey that I think it's really, really tough for us to get our arms around now, but certainly through this conversation and our time together next week, we'll be able to do so. So, Rob, 
thank you so very much for being part of the Run ATL podcast and spending some time with us. Oh man, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. I just appreciate the opportunity to come and uh, tell my story and uh, kind of get my message out there. Thanks a lot for having me. Well, believe me, it is our pleasure and what a story and what a great message it is. And although we alluded to a little bit of it in our intro, I do not want to leave any stone unturned. And so I'm going to take us back 10 years ago to 2007. And at this point, if I understand correctly, you are enrolled at Virginia Tech and where many people, many of the Hokies might be thinking about football season or just getting through a semester's worth of classes, you elected instead to join the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve. Is, is that true? And if so, give us a little bit of a sense of what has to go through someone's mind at that point to take on both the academic workload and everything that goes into making such an important decision. Uh, yeah, so actually it was back in 2006. So it was after my junior year. Oh, my. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, college is a lot of time about self-discovery. And so I discovered that uh, after my junior year, I was in a place in my life where I, I was tired of doing things that were just about me. And I felt the need to do something that was uh, beyond my own personal self-interest. And so I found the Marine Corps. I, called, I saw a couple books. I read about I read those books, uh, uh, one called The uh, Brotherhood of Heroes about the Battle of Pele Lu in uh, World War II, and you know it just really struck a chord. And I, once I finished that book, I knew what I needed to do, so I joined the Marine Corps. Wow, maybe even the next day, I went to the recruiter's office before I even told my parents or anything. And uh, they they are pretty accommodating. So the way that it worked was, I went to boot camp after my junior year of college, and then. I finished my last year in college, and then the next summer, I went to my job school and combat training, and then I was sent to my reserve unit. Well, and you mentioned going to combat training, and I, and I know from your bio that ultimately you took up position as a combat engineer, and although I think those two terms independently are perhaps easy for us and our listeners to think, okay, we understand combat. We may even understand engineering, but when you put the two together, I don't know that there's a great enough understanding. And certainly I'm willing to admit my own lack of understanding as to what a combat engineer is. So maybe give us a little bit of an, an overview as to the work that you were doing and, and the work that combat engineers are, are doing every day in our armed forces. Yeah. So there's actually, it's a big field. So there's three different, uh, kind of aspects to combat engineering. Um, first one uh, is air wing stuff. So you'll be attached to um, basically a bunch of airplanes or an airport, and you'll work on, on you know anything that they need to run their airport. So airfields uh, and, and just you know things of that nature uh, associated with the airport. Uh, second is construction and so that would have us doing anything from building bridges to uh, building uh, building up a uh, forward operating bases uh, to building up Iraqi police stations or Afghan police stations um, and any kind of anything that you can think of with uh, in relation to construction and stuff 
Um, and then, so I didn't do either of those really. And then the <laughs> third aspect, <laughs> I did the third, uh, the third part of it is uh, obstacle creation and obstacle breaching. And so those are kind of self-explanatory. So most of mostly what that would be would be uh, we would either do things, uh, create obstacles to get in the way of the enemy, and so uh, for example, uh, putting up wire uh, would be a classic example of that, or putting up sandbags and that kind of thing, uh, and then breaching those types of things. So using explosives to get through obstacles, get through wire, get through uh, doors, get through uh, IED fields, uh, whatever it may be, whatever the obstacle may be, we are breaching it with explosives or uh, mechanical tools. And so part of uh, the uh, obstacle creation and defeat is uh, minefields. And so classically, uh, combat engineers would emplace minefields and also defeat minefields. And so that's how we kind of fell into the role of finding IEDs uh, in the most recent wars. Because uh, we already had that training with the metal detectors and with all the landmines. So we just kind of, uh, it just kind of would gradually, naturally lead to us uh, being responsible for IED detection as well. Well, and, and I, I think that uh, you mentioned the first two of those three elements that go into combat engineering and, and not having done those. You know, I think for Dave and I, and I'm sure many of our listeners, it's tough for us to get our mind around doing any of it. And then once you start using terms or abbreviations like IEDs, we immediately get the sense of the danger that is involved. And for sure, and, and, I, and I've chosen this segue into what happens next as a, as a way, and I'm sure I'm not alone in, in, in saying this and, and genuinely meaning it, not just saying thank you for your service in that role, but as, as we transition to Afghanistan and what happened in 2010 while you were there, but also for your, your sacrifices. And I know it's not just you, and, and I've learned enough about you as to the character that you have and the, the recognition that you carry with you, that it's you and so many others who were part of that time while you were in Afghanistan and so many others who have helped you along the way since that time. But fully recognizing that, that so many of us oftentimes will have an accident or have a life-changing moment where part of the story is that, man, I didn't, I didn't see that coming or I had no idea or boom, it was just on me and I didn't know what else I could do. But for you, it appeared that as you were in Afghanistan in 2010 and, and on this particular mission that I know that you'll kind of walk us through, that you knew what you were getting yourself into and you knew some of the things that were just out there as real and present dangers. But fully recognizing that and just, gosh, even the fear that I can kind of um, uh, feel so easily when I read your story, it's just like, wow, just imagine walking into the face of this. But that's what you did. That's what you and your team did. But now having said all that, take us to that day in 2010 when you were in Afghanistan doing that role in combat engineering that you and your team were doing every single day. Yeah, so my primary role in Afghanistan was the IED detection uh, piece. And the way that it would work that I would be attached to an infantry squad for a patrol or a push 
Taliban territory. Um, and we would just be going along with our mission. And we might get to a place, a uh, uh, piece of terrain, where we all kind of recognize that there's there's a good chance that there might be an IED in there. Um, usually it would be kind of choke points. Uh, we call them danger areas. And so basically it would be a piece of terrain where we would just about have to go through there. So easiest example to understand for this would be crossing a bridge over a big river. Um, you have to go over that bridge. There's really no other way around to get over to the other side. And so what the Taliban would do is they would place their limited resources uh, in the most likely avenues that we were going to take. And so whenever we got to this bridge, for example, um, the, we would stop and I would cross the bridge first with my metal detector and I would go through that area um, just making sure there's a clear route. So I would be using my metal detector to try and find any IEDs and then I would be doing what's called proofing the lane uh, with my feet, which is you know proving that there's nothing there by stepping on it. And so I would just... I would, uh, you, you know, slowly make my way through that uh, danger area until, and I would mark my little path with breadcrumbs behind me. And once I got through there, um, everybody else would follow that exact little breadcrumb path that I took, and they knew that that was clear. And so then we would just continue on. And so on July 22nd, 2010, um, we had taken a little break. Um, just uh, took a knee to take a little uh, take a little rest after having patrolled for a few hours, and we stood back up. Another guy actually stepped on an IED that didn't go off completely. It's called a low order detonation. Uh, something something about the explosive mixture, or however it was made, um, made made it so that it didn't go off correctly. So nobody was injured, but in that circumstance, we know there's probably going to be another IED there because like to put secondary and tertiary IEDs uh, all around each other. And so I started to try and find that route through that, that clear route through the area. And uh, IED found me first, and that resulted in a couple of other applications. I tell you, Dave, I mean, just listening to Rob, I mean, my heart is racing just as he talks about leaving breadcrumbs and the work that constitutes his role. I mean, Rob is a lifelong civilian and, and someone who can hear stories firsthand, maybe in this case, even second or third hand, and just be so thankful, but at the same time, so quick to just not fully understand what might be going through these servicemen and women's minds in these moments. All, I just feel like I need to pause and just let that story sink in. I could just say, okay, well, we're not even going to talk about all the cool things you're doing now. That is just such a – that's something that all of us need to hear. All of us as Americans and, quite frankly, as human beings need to hear. And, and uh, again, thank you um, for being willing to, to kind of uh, detail that for us. And, and again, for your – Yeah, it's one of those dicey jobs. One of those dicey goodness. jobs that needs to be done. I'll tell you, there are things in our organization right now that seem super, super, super simple. All right. So in 2011, of course, the whole world has changed for you, honorably discharged from the U.S. Marine Corps. And yet now in 2012, you're a Paralympic bronze medalist. So yeah. what a transition. How do you 
go from that role and that tragic instance to being on the medals platform in London? Uh, well, you know, when I got hurt, uh, I realized pretty quickly that just because my legs were missing below the, or above the knee, uh, that didn't mean that my objective for my life had really changed. You know, I still wanted to have a life that I was that I could enjoy, and when I was on my deathbed, look back and be proud of it, uh, and you know, be able to know that I had some kind of impact on on the world and, and on my family and everything. And so, you know, that had changed for me. So I just had to find a new route to that objective. So, you know, and, and part of that is just remaining open to possibilities that you happen to come across. Uh, it's, you know, at some point when I was in the hospital, somebody told me about the Paralympics and being a guy that, that had always enjoyed working out and, uh, and training, I decided, you know, that might be, uh, that might be a good route to, uh, or a good avenue to explore. And so I did. And, you know, after that first initial exploration, I liked it. And, you know, things kept falling into place and falling into place. And I, you know, made the commitment. And once I had made the commitment to uh, try and make the Paralympics, you know, that, that's where I just did everything I had to do to make it to the Paralympics and get that medal. That's awesome. And, and, you know, for our listeners, and this includes Dave and I, I say this so certainly um, to, to people who are in the midst of a, a breakup, a job loss, an unexpected bit of news and to, to go back and listen to what Rob just said, where truly being on his deathbed and yet making that commitment to himself, and I'm sure many others, that life is not over, there is still much to be done, and that his sense of worth has not changed. I think that's such an awesome message, Rob, and I hope yeah. everybody heard that the same way that I did, and I'm just trying to pull that out once again because I know that all of us go through things and we think it's, you know, truly the end of our world or we think it's this thing that's going to alter our week or perhaps a month or a year for us. And, and yet we certainly uh, would find it hard to relate to what happened to you. And, and yet that attitude that you had seemingly almost immediately as you started to transition your energy and your efforts to the Paralympics is, is so good to hear and, and such a great reminder for us all. So you end up choosing regatta and, and rowing as your sport. Obvious yep. success there. But it hardly sets the stage for what you did next on the bike and where you are now as you run 31 marathons in 31 cities on 31 consecutive days. So help us understand. We get the good fortune of working with a lot of people who are triathletes and a lot of people who have multiple hobbies in and, in and outside the world of recreational sports. How do you go from being a world champion in rowing to the cycling endeavors that you completed to what you're doing now? Well, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, again, it's that, uh, that unchanging objective that I had was, you know, when I joined the Marine Corps, I joined to go fight with Marine brothers and, and support them and, and sacrifice my life for them if I had to. So that well, objective also had changed. So, but, you know, I wasn't going to be doing that. I wasn't going to be doing any fighting anymore in direct combat with America's enemies. Um, you know, that was clear. But I could still fight for my brothers uh, when they came home and when I came home. And so the bike ride and my, my marathon challenge is just a, 
my new route to the objective of continuing to fight for my brothers. Well, and, and man, have you done that. I know you've raised a substantial amount of money already, and not just from this part of the Rob Jones journey, but from your ride that was very cool to not only read about, but for everyone who's not yet made the trip to robjonesjourney.com, you need to do so. There are some really cool videos, including on his ride across America, starting in Maine and finishing in Camp Pendleton, uh, California. That's almost 5,200 miles. Robbie did that in 2014. And, and now here we are in 2017 and in advance of your time coming to Atlanta. Like I just mentioned, you're doing 31 marathons, but you're not just doing 31 marathons as a way to become a 50 stater or as someone who is going to take a decade or a lifetime to be able to rack up many, many, many accomplishments in and around the distance of 26.2 miles. No, instead you're doing them consecutively in day in and day out, as well as in different locations. What spawned this idea and, and where did the idea for doing this again from one side of the country? In fact, you even started on the other side of the pond. You started in London, but where did the idea come from for doing these 31 marathons in all these locations and then finishing on the other side of the country so that you could easily claim that that had not been done before, but now it has? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a continuation of that same mission as uh, my bike ride. Uh, I identified that there seemed to be a decent number of veterans that were coming back and, and struggling to reintegrate back into society and find their new way of uh, find their new way of contributing to America and, and fighting for their country and their brothers. And, uh, so I wanted to just I can't you know I can't tell somebody how they're you know how to spend the rest of their life. I can't tell them what their their new mission should be or or how they should go about it. But I can provide my own story of, uh, you know, going to Afghanistan, having a traumatic experience, and then coming back and finding my new path, um, I could get that story out there. And, you know, I am sure, as you guys know, in the running community, once you see somebody else has done something, uh, it makes it a lot easier to to see yourself doing it. So hopefully a wounded veteran that may be struggling will see that, you know, I got messed up in Afghanistan and was able to continue fight and they'll see that I did it and they'll say well if you can do it so so can I um, and I also want to get the get the word out to raise awareness of this fact with the civilian populace um, because you know there's there is a little bit of a gap of understanding between military and, and civilians and so if I want civilians to understand military I gotta get I gotta explain our side and my side and so it's all just part of that. So one of the things that is so cool and that I've been able to kind of stay connected through the blog and through a lot of the work that your wife Pamela is doing is that even though we'll never be able to relate to perhaps that inspiration you felt back in 2006 or certainly the work that you did when you were active with the U.S. Marine Corps, including what happened in the role that you were playing in 2010, most of us will never be able to take the platform and say we are an Olympic medalist and, and what you're doing right now is beyond 
perhaps the pursuit and even the comprehension for many of us. But what is so awesome is you are just like the running you are just like the rest of us. So what I want to do is ask you a series of, of questions. It's not so much going to be about your full story as what you've learned on this journey so far, because I think you've got some institutional knowledge that will help all of us. So thinking right, about what you've do been it. doing for the, yeah, let's, so thinking about what you've been doing for the last three weeks, what training advice were you given or that you would now give that seems to have panned out and been what serves you best thus far? So for me, um, the way that I've been training for this is I've been using the map tone method. Um, I, you guys know what that is. And we'll put it in our show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. For those who don't, we'll so, put it in our show, our show notes. And it, I mean, it's worked uh, great for me. Uh, just keeping my heart rate under that aerobic threshold. I run all my marathons under that aerobic threshold. And I really do think that it's allowed me to uh, just be able to keep going and keep going just because I'm not producing those, those byproducts that might break my body down even more and make it even harder to recover. Um, that kind of coupled with uh, eating for a fat adaptation diet, um, I think those, those two things together uh, are probably the biggest, uh, biggest training-wise uh, uh, things that I've been able to, to implement that I think are really making this possible. Well, I can't imagine how many interviews you've done, but maybe you just know this is the natural segue. But of course, the next question was going to be, what would you tell all of us about your nutrition and any nutritional guidance that you might give us, whether it's someone who's training for their first 5K this fall or perhaps a marathon of their own, even though they're not going to have 30 of them that precede that particular date? Yeah, you know, it's, it's mostly about... So I've been training for this for a year and a half. You know, I've been practicing for the last 18 months for this. So um, the biggest piece of advice would just be find what's going to work for you. Um, for me, you know, I experimented with the fat adaptation thing, and it worked really well for me. I experimented with the map method, and it worked really well for me. Um, but you have to take the time, and you have to put in the work to, uh, and you have to be willing to uh, make a couple mistakes every now and then um, to find out what we're better because uh, everybody's different. Uh, so, you know, I, I didn't just, I didn't just start, you know, three weeks ago and say, oh, I'm just going to do a, you know, fat adaptation and that took my time to start doing it. I worked at it for 18 months. I did, uh, you know, a few of training where I ran three or five marathons back to back, and I, I figured out how my body responded to that. How I needed to change things up. So it's a lot of experimentation and uh, just figuring out what's uh, what works best for you. And there's no real workaround besides just taking the time to do it. <laughs> well, that is that is for sure. And so now thinking about the food, whether it's a snack or something that you would say is absolutely part of why you've been successful thus far, or perhaps even an indulgence. What is that one yeah. food you think you've had the most of since you started this journey, whether it's while traveling or while running, whether it's, you know, before you get started or in recovery, what's that one item that you've consumed perhaps more than anything else? Uh, definitely going to be the pork rinds. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Have, uh, 
when I wake up in the morning, I pretty I eat a bag of uh, pork crackling from Epic uh, Food. Um, and then after after my uh, run, I'll eat another bag, uh, like in a meat sauce. So I'll like pour the meat sauce over top of them and kind of soften them up, makes them really nice to nice and chewy. Probably those, and then long bread for energy bars probably be tight. So I eat about two or three of those while I'm running. Right on. So for those of you who had not anticipated that answer coming, coming obviously a great Southerner at heart, ready to get home to Atlanta. Anybody who answers pork rinds with a little bit of meat sauce as a secret weapon in 31 marathons in 31 days, that is uh, is super cool. Okay, Rob, I, uh, I I know that we're going to do everything we can to be the stop that you and your team remember the most, but there's a tremendous amount of competition out there. And of course we applaud each place you've already been and all of those who have already supported you, whether it's by running alongside or making donations or doing both. What is that moment or what are those one or two moments that have been most memorable so far? You've got three plus weeks in already, but for those of us who have the good fortune of listening to this before you get here, where has the bar been set thus far as something that has just been so special to you and that you and your wife can say for sure you will never forget? I know that we'll never forget just the fact that we put it out there that I'm going to be coming to town and people showed up to run with me and, or showed up just to come and say hi and show their support. And so, you know, every, every support I've received along this uh along this journey has just been an incredible uh, person, incredible moment. Um, I've had people come out and run their very first marathon with me. And, and you know, even though my pace was a lot faster than they could hold, they just kept going. They And I'd be taking breaks, they'd just skip the breaks and just keep going, keep going. And, you know, at the end of it, they would come in and just be just hurt. Uh, but, you know, they, they love veterans enough and they want to support veterans enough that they just willing to put themselves in the fire um, and you know and, and kids come out and run I love having you know kids it's, it's, it's really gratifying to see that uh, you know my message is getting out there to the younger generation um, I just had a kid in San Diego named Aaron come out and run with me and you know he wanted to do the whole thing he had to get shut down by his grandma he was keeping <laughs> up he was quite going fast with me but his grandma said he had to he had to go home, and he was just so upset, and um, you know he was crying, and he just wanted to run that whole thing with me. And so it's just, just moments like that where I have supporters out there, um, and you know, I'll, I'll remember that for the rest of my days. Well, there's a cool challenge to make right now, and who knows how much trouble trouble we'll get in for uh, get in for this D2. But it starts on November 8th at 7 a.m. So for all of you who are parents, for all of you who are students, that is early enough to come out and at least spend a little bit of time with Rob. And I don't know that the Atlanta public school system would endorse this, but I have to believe (laughs) spending the morning with Rob is far better than any class that you would otherwise have on your Wednesday schedule. So I'm just saying (laughs) you do what you want with that, but that's my suggestion for all of you out there who are students but really want to get a lesson on what life is like, you're going to get more of that on Wednesday, November 8th on the Beltline than what you probably would in your classroom. All right. One of the things, and this is a question that you maybe are getting on a regular basis, but we want to know whether it's running and it doesn't seem like you're spending too many 
miles by yourself from some of the videos and, and posts that I've seen. So maybe it's more traveling that this is the case. But what are you listening to and what are you watching? What is that somewhat unexpected diversion that you have in your ears or in front of your eyes when the time is just passing by, whether on foot or with the tires rolling underneath you? Um, so when I'm on foot, I usually, I've only listened to music once and that was in Toronto. Um, but usually there's somebody with me and we're just, uh, you know, talking, uh, or just running alongside, you know, like today I was running with my friend Matt, he, uh, you know, we were talking for the first half and then like the last little bit, we just didn't have much to say anymore. <laughs> uh, we were both uh, breathing hard, just tired, just, you know, just had to put our heads down and finish, you know, so we didn't have much to say at that point. But, uh, you know, on the road, I'll usually be... Uh, I'll be responding to emails, Facebook messages, that kind of stuff. I'll make that a priority. And then uh, if I have time, I'll listen to some podcasts. Um, I like to listen to uh, Jocko podcasts. I like to listen to uh, Meat Eater podcasts. I'll listen to stuff like stuff like that. Um, or maybe watch a movie. Just whatever's on Netflix, I guess. Excellent. We wondered if there was this guilty pleasure that, that you might have, but you meant <laughs> mentioned Jocko, Jocko Willink will put a link to his podcast. And then I'm not familiar with media to Rob. That sounds pretty cool. So D2 and I are obviously fans of podcasts, yeah. not just the work we do here, but certainly others as well. So I'll have to check that out. We'll include that yeah, in awesome. our show notes as well. Okay. Very, very, very cool. So now last question, we're going to give you a chance okay. to tee us up in Atlanta. All right. Any, anything that you would tell us to be ready for? or anything that you want us to have ready for you as you are now but a week, one week away from being in Atlanta. What should we be getting ready for or getting ready to do for you? Because believe me, nothing is off the table. We are so amped up about your impending arrival. Um, I'm not trying to brag, but uh, <laughs> I have found that I am, I am, I am tending to surprise people with how, my pace. Um, awesome. Uh, I, I think last couple of marathons have been running between an 8.30 and a, and a nine minute mile, the whole thing. So I think that has tended to uh, surprise people a little bit. But it's not that big of a deal if you know if, if the pace is too fast or too slow for you because I'm running, I'm just running the loops. So you know I might be a little bit ahead of you, but we'll cross paths you know a bunch of times, and we'll be able to encourage each other. And uh, what else? The uh, the record as of now for number of people I've had finish the entire marathon with me is seven in San Diego. So let's see if Atlanta can not beat that. Oh, there it is. There's the gauntlet. It's been thrown <laughs> out. San Diego, California. Some would say the weather always better than what Atlanta might have. But do they have more marathoners? West side who versus will side. <laughs> that is very cool, Rob. We cannot wait to have you here. And I have no idea what the weather will be like. My guess is it won't be like what it was in San Diego. We're going to get some reasonably good temperatures from what I can understand. looks like it's going to be about 50 degrees at 7 a.m. Awesome. on November 8th. A chance of maybe a little bit of rain, but my guess is that feels good for anyone, whether they're out there for a few miles or for all 26.2. For those of you who just heard Rob's pace and are not intimidated 
That is very, very cool. For those of you who are like, wow, I had no idea that he was going to be traveling that fast. If you are not familiar with his route, he's going to be going back and forth and back and forth on the Beltline. So even if you fall behind, you are not going to be out of sight for long because he will be coming back in the same direction. And to get some of your mileage, if you want to run with Rob for more minutes than you do miles, you don't necessarily need to keep his pace because he'll be covering the same stretch of the Beltline a number of times while he's out there. So please come join him. We will give you all the details again and again on this episode. Certainly they'll be in our show notes. Rob, once again, thank you so very much for your service, for your sacrifices, and for what you're doing right now. I know there are multiple veterans charities that will be impacted by what you're doing right now. And certainly for many years to come, because this sounds like a life's calling for you as you not only take what you now know so well, but ensure the legacy of all of those who have come back from serving and are back at home. So thank you once again. Thanks a lot for having me on guys. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and get my message out there. Looking forward awesome. to meeting you. Very cool. It's our pleasure. And again, the website is robjonesjourney.com. We'll have all of the details in our show notes and we will also Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday morning. The entire Big Peach Running Company leadership team is joining Rob at 7 a.m. For those who are making notes right now, it will be at the Fitwit right on the Beltline. The address is 828 Ralph McGill Avenue in Atlanta. The zip code, so you can put it in to your smart device, is 30306. Dave and I will hope to see you there. Rob, we know that we will see you there. Don't go anywhere. We have a couple of questions kind of off mic for you. But uh, again, thank you so much. And we'll be right back after this message to the Run ATL podcast. Welcome back to the Run ATL podcast after an appropriately abbreviated break. D2, we have had some awesome interviews and featured conversations really in a short time that has transpired since we brought the run ATL podcast to life. But I can tell you that I've not had an interview that we've done where I have literally felt my body react the way that it did as I was asking Rob certain questions and listening and processing his answers. I could feel my heart literally racing as he was talking about what he was doing in Afghanistan. I felt a moment where I genuinely had a lump in my throat and I felt like, man, I know this is not Skype video, but is everybody gonna be able to tell that there are tears welling up in my eyes when I think about what, the way he talks about brotherhood and what have you? It was just an emotional journey for me to hear him talk about the journey he's taken. It was so cool. I'm glad we had a moment to kind of cool down and compose ourselves before doing this closing and remind everyone once again, all the details of what's going to happen on November 8th. Yeah. I mean, for me, as he was describing, you know, just his job, his role, um, to, you know, clear uh, IADs, you know, to me, it's just one of the things like I couldn't have imagined saying, Oh yeah, that's something I want to do. That's something I'm going to do. And without question. And, and that's what he did, you know, and, and he still feels connected, you know, and, you know, to, you know, as you mentioned, the brotherhood, it reminded me while he was talking about that, 
you know, I've heard uh, Simon Sinek talk about, um, you know, uh, his book, you know, leaders, uh, great leaders eat last, I believe, or something like that. And right. and it talks about the brotherhood and a sisterhood and a connection, and that's what he continues to do now that he's no longer able to serve. He's serving, you know, he continues to serve his brotherhood and his sisterhood of Marines um, that have come back injured by providing them inspiration, by providing them resources and raising money and resources for them to continue their fight, to continue their journey after they've come back home, you know, from war. That That is true. And, and we're going to keep suggesting this. And that is, please, please, please go to his website and learn more. Our interview was great. We pulled things out that you won't find on the website, but there is so much good information there that we could not cover. Again, it is www.robjonesjourney.com. While you're there, goodness gracious, and this is not my nature to ask for money. It really isn't. If, of course, you're not buying something at Big Peach Running Company, it's hard for me to ask for your money, but I would really encourage you and be so thankful, as I know Dave and, of course, Rob and his team would be for you to make a donation to what he is doing. You'll find it really easy to do so. We'll be doing so on behalf of Big Peach Running Company when he is in town, but check that out. And again, one more time, the date is Wednesday, November 8th. The time that it will start is 7 a.m. Dave, one of the things I mentioned in the interview that maybe was not completely accurate even though I pulled the information off of his website, I think you've updated it. And that is where people should meet at 7 a.m. I mentioned Fitwit. My goodness, thank you to them for their support. But given the fact they'll also have classes going on that morning, probably chewing up all of their parking is not the right thing to do. And there is a better parking recommendation that you've uncovered. Do you mind sharing that with me and everybody else? Yeah, so one of the things that we encourage everyone uh, is to park and meet at the uh, Old Fourth Ward Historic Fourth Ward Skate Park. Um, it is uh, accessible uh, off of Ralph McGill Boulevard, um, so not too far. It's probably within maybe a, less than a quarter mile, maybe an eighth of a mile from the Fitwood Gym. So Fitwood Gym is where Rob will be his base of operations, and that's where he'll park his RV and uh, kind of get started. But for everyone else, you can easily uh, park at the skate park. It is right off of Ralph McGill Boulevard and uh, on a side street called Willoughby Way, uh, W-I-L-L-O. U G H B Y, and we will have a link to a map uh, as to where the parking is. There's plenty of parking there uh, at the skate park. It is right next to the Beltline and a very uh, close to the Freedom Park Trail as well. Um, so we'll provide a link to a map and uh, uh, through the show notes. Uh, so please, we encourage everyone that uh, can come out to park there, um, whether you're there at 7 a.m. or later. Uh, you know, that morning, um, park at, at, at that uh, park, um, and we'll uh, meet there. Excellent. We will meet there again. The Big Peach Running Company leadership team will be there in force. The other thing that I'll quickly mention is for those of you who are not early risers or cannot make the trip into Midtown and the Beltline at 7 a.m., Rob's schedule is on his website. He'll be running all the way through 2 p.m., even though he keeps a pretty expedited pace. The way that he does this, he does take 30-minute breaks at different intervals, so it ends up being a longer day for him than perhaps it is oftentimes for somebody who sets out to finish a marathon. So you can easily come out mid to late morning, even at lunchtime, 
and get to that parking lot that D2 just gave you the coordinates and still see Rob, still join him for a part of that run. Now, a couple of things that we did when we did not have the mic live. One, we asked Rob about a bar that might be set that the great city of Atlanta could challenge. And he mentioned that so far, the city of San Diego has the most persons who have joined him for the marathon in its entirety. They are at seven, ladies and gentlemen. Gosh, I would like nothing more than for eight or more of our fellow Atlantans to go out and join Rob for the entirety. So if you are in marathon shape or you think I can do that, please do. Please do make that seven o'clock appointment. Join him the entire way and put Atlanta on top as that location that has had more people join him for the entirety of the distance than anywhere else. And then also a quick shout out to Shane's that is going to provide he and his team lunch. We already talked about FitWit stepping up. I want to thank our teammates D2 at Big Peach Running Company for electing to come out and spend their morning that way. We all need inspiration on a regular basis. I know our organization will get that in spades with Rob there. And then perhaps another indication of people stepping up. And as an entrepreneur, I've just been so inspired by watching the community step up to help Rob, even though they do not yet know him, even though it's a week before he is here, the things that, and Dave, you mentioned already, Jenny and Mary, I know there are others. The Georgia State Patrol has agreed to give Rob an escort out of town after this feat that he accomplishes at two o'clock. Many of you can imagine what traffic is like on the connector heading north. He's going to Charlotte, North Carolina after he leaves us. He intends to leave around 5 p.m. My goodness, what a miserable trip that could be without our friends from the Georgia State Patrol. How cool is that? That's that's very cool. And I mean, I'm just inspired by all the work. Once again, shout out to Jenny and, and Mary. Uh, truly inspirational uh, to have members of, of the community step up and put that amount of effort. And, uh, you know, from reaching out to other organizations to organizing other people to come out to run to, you know, contacting Georgia State Patrol. And, you know, I think they're working on, you know, maybe even coffee and, and, and bagels for the morning and just a variety of things and canvassing, canvassing the, uh, the Atlanta Beltline to, you know, talking to all the neighborhood to raise awareness and, uh, you know, potentially get more people out there, even if they're just cheering, um, is, is pretty amazing. Indeed it is, and that will do it for this special episode of the Run ATL podcast. I'll leave you with these final instructions one more time. Please, please, please visit robjonesjourney.com. Please consider making a donation to the great work that he is doing. Please come join us sometime on November 8th from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. We'll be out there first thing. That's on November 8th at the skate park to park and on the Beltline to run. And then, and of course, lastly, we would hope that you would share this episode with your friends. We all need the encouragement. You're probably thinking of someone right now who could really use Rob's message. So share this often. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back again in just one week this time. In the meantime, may your best miles be those covered on foot.